This podcast is brought to you by Modest Coffee, single origin coffee without the snobbery. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what coffees they're roasting today. Cheers! Welcome to No Bad Reviews, a coffee podcast. We are three pals and three fellow working people, and my name is Jenny, and I run the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. I think you forgot to say the colon. Uh-oh, <laughs> let me start over. No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. Like butter. Just like butter. And that's what I am. I'm the butter between the two toasts on this podcast. I'm Marcus, your green coffee buyer and good food award winning coffee roaster and podcast host for today. And so smooth and fatty. Just like my voice. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. And you're just so saturated. Mm. <laughs> Well, I hate to follow that. (laughs) I'm Stephanie, and I'm the Modest Coffee Employee of the Month for 34 consecutive months. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Why not? Is that the next month? Did we round up? I mean, this is actually... We started at 32. It's a new month. It's a new month. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. Thank you. You did really good this month. Thank you. (laughs) You've earned it. <laughs> oh yay. So um we have a Patreon and so if you wanna go ahead and keep out the corporate, you can support us directly on Patreon. We also do little bonus episodes there called Love It or Leave It. So we think you're gonna love it, not leave it for <laughs> sure. Today's bonus episode we're going to be trying well, we, I mean Steph and Marcus are going to be trying a Jameson cold brew Dang. so mm. we also have some uh kind of fucked up facts about jameson oh. so you're gonna have to head over to patreon if you want to find out what's going on over there that's what we call a cliffhanger in the biz yeah it's pretty <laughs> fucked up um and then let's see what else oh we have a winner Woo! Woo! of our subscriber giveaway so what we're doing every week you Go ahead and send us a screenshot proving that you're subscribed or following us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. If you just send us a screenshot, we will go ahead and enter you into a giveaway to win a bag of modest coffee. We will send it along to you. And the next winner that we choose is also going to get a free No Bad Reviews mug. (gasps) So... That is extra incentive. Get your screenshots in. And if you've already sent your screenshot, thank you so much. You got, you are awesome. You're still in the pool. You're still in the pool. This week's winner of the giveaway of Modest Coffee is Jen. We'll be reaching out to you to find out what coffee you would like from Modest Coffee. We'll go ahead and send it on over to you. Jen's a winner in our heart. Jen's a definite winner in life and in our hearts. Also, we've got merch. We're going to be posting some photos of Marcus looking super extra cool, head to, t- head to toe in that drip, dripping in drip that drip. Just dropped. 
<laughs> so you're going to see how cool Marcus looks, and you are going to be super jealous. So head on over to our website, nobadreviewspodcast.com, and you can go get your own merch and match with Marcus. Super fly. Head to toe. You don't need a cape. Mm-mm. It's really something when it's head to toe. <laughs> it's really something. Something awesome. Yes, that's of course. That's what I meant. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So also, we've got time to make the clarifications. Everybody's favorite weekly segment. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't make mistakes. We just clarify. That's right. There, there are no mistakes. But there is some extra information from some previous episodes that I thought would be fun to share. The first bit is really just for Jenny and Marcus, but I feel like some of our local listeners might also be interested. One of our fans, who also happens to live with me, <laughs> found a place called International Deli oh. somewhere near Joliet. I don't remember where. But he happened to go on Fat Monday or whatever it was, <laughs> and they had the traditional punchki flavors. Oh. They had like the rose <gasps> jelly and the plum. Oh, snap. Did so, he get wow. Him? No, he did not. He got himself a strawberry and nothing for me. Mm. Can you believe that? <laughs> thanks, Jason. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Jason. Mm. We have a Facebook group. And so, I'm going to post a link to that international deli in our Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of our ongoing conversation behind the scenes, interact with us and other fans, you can go ahead and find our Facebook group. Um, it's No Bad Reviews. Colon, a coffee community. Aww. Yeah. So I'll go Aww. ahead and post that there. Um, also from the Cafe Dumond episode, we were talking about the Riley Coffee Company. I failed to mention that they had an employee of note at the Riley Coffee Company. Oh, your kindred spirit? Ooh. Not my kindred spirit. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking this was like an award that the Riley Coffee Company gave out. Like, oh, I see. The employee of note. Instead of the employee of the month, it's like a notable employee. Or was this more like a police blotter? Like, yeah. if you see this employee, please let us know. Oh, <laughs> definitely more like that. Armed and dangerous. Oh, okay. He worked there in 1963 and was fired three months before he assassinated John <gasps> F. Kennedy. What? Holy shit. Mind Lee Harvey is Oswald. No way. Yeah. No shit. Isn't that crazy? That is- so I'm not saying that Riley Foods firing him is what caused him to assassinate JFK. But, but we don't know do. we don't know that it didn't. Uh with regards to the Jim Beam episode, I just wanted to talk about this whole kernel. Mm, situation. Colonels. Mm. Okay, inform us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to inform you about a couple of governors. So in the Facebook group that you just mentioned, Eric again, Eric our number great. one Thanks, fan. Eric. Yeah, Eric, seriously, shout out. Uh, linked an article explaining that there are honorary Kentucky colonels. We were discussing, like, did Jim Beam just call himself a colonel? Was he an actual colonel? Was he a, So likely he was an honorary colonel. This is a funny thing that Kentucky does. The first honorary Kentucky colonel was in 1775, and it was Daniel Boone. Oh, oh of like Dan- of Boone's Farm alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Boone was given the designation because he was going to go exploring, and he was going to maybe claim some land for... Kentucky wasn't even a state yet. This was a year before the Declaration of Independence, hmm. 20 years before Kentucky statehood. But I guess he needed some sort of authority behind him if he was going to go claim land and run into whoever might have already been living there, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So he was the first one. And then over the next, like, 150 years, there were about a 1,000 more. And it started out as as a legitimate, like, sort of military political title. Like, if the shit goes down, you're going to help. You can pull rank. Yeah. yeah. 
But then it sort of became more just like, well, you're a friend of the governor or. So it's kind of like being a knight. In- yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I said during that yeah. episode. Yeah. 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 The obvious people you would suspect were colonels, wealthy, large landowners, people who had the most popular bourbon distillery on the planet. <laughs> or fried chicken. Or fried chicken. That's right. Wealthy white guys. That was it. And then there was a governor elected in 1931 named Ruby Lafoon. Prior to 1932, there were only a thousand colonels over all those years. And then Governor Ruby Lafoon was elected in 1931. And during his term, which was only four years, he gave the title to 10 what the fuck? People. I mean, nice. he really just eluded the like the specialness of that. He also taxed the title. What? Ah, <laughs> smart. <laughs> this guy is like, we are going to fix the budget deficit, and here's how. Was he making people colonels against their will? He made them colonels, and then they didn't realize that he was going to push through this tax. That's like wow. giving somebody a gift, and then like. Sending them an invoice. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't hate it, though. I mean, like, they're wealthy people. I mean, and yeah. And it's like we... a funny way to tax them a little extra. <laughs> That's really smart. He he was not reelected. He was a one-term <laughs> well, I mean, governor. It... Um, and then in 2008, a guy named Steve Bashir was elected governor. And he was giving out 16,500 colonelships every year. <sighs> And the accounting... Was the taxing still going on at that point? I'm not sure what the taxing situation was at that point. Um, But the, the, like, accounting department of the state of Kentucky was like, you can't do this anymore. (laughs) Like, they had had these, like, huge certificates that had 24 karat gold embossed and a ribbon. And they were like, this is costing us thousands of dollars a year for these stupid certificates so they like cut the size of the certificate and it doesn't have the gold or the ribbon anymore man there are all these groups of honorary colonels who are like i guess it's like a social group that you join once you're a colonel and they were like you can't stop the big certificates we'll pay for them and the state of kentucky was like no (laughs) we're only doing the small certificates we refuse is this still wow. is So this it's still, still a, a little controversial. And I guess like the colonels, the honorary colonels are kind of a pain in the ass to the state of Kentucky because they feel as though they should have some sort of political authority and they kind of stick their nose in, state in the state of Ken- all the time. Is the state, is the state <laughs> still handing out like honorary colonelships? As far as I know, they are. Oh, yeah. Awesome. The colonels, I mean, there's now like a hundred thousand of them. And so like you can't have a hundred thousand cooks in the kitchen. Right. Exactly. They got to just take their title and go. <laughs> it's like half the population <laughs> of Kentucky. Yeah, 16,000 a year. I mean, they must have must have gotten everybody at that point. Seriously, I think yeah. he was probably going for the world record of most colonels. Yeah, it's like if you own land, you're a colonel. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Do you own a condo? You're a colonel. <laughs> I don't even think you have to be a white male anymore. Can you confirm Remember. that? I actually can't confirm. I did it. look at the list. I did see a, at least one woman on the list. Oh, oh congrats to you, lady. Well, thanks for those clarifications. Yeah, that yeah. was so interesting. All right. So today's coffee. Are we ready for it? It's a holiday coffee. It is a holiday coffee. I want to say it's our first holiday coffee, but it's not really because we just did Mardi Gras coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, lots of holidays this time of year. I guess. I guess. I guess. Punchki Day is very important in Chicago, but. Chicago, I think, has way more Irish people. And so I think St. Patrick's Day is actually 
maybe a bigger day. I mean, they're not dyeing the Chicago River any colors for Fat Tuesday. That's right. Yeah. Chicago goes all out for St. Patrick's Day for sure. Uh, For those of you who are not from Chicago, Chicago um, has a huge Irish population. My family on my mom's side is all Irish. And in fact, what is so funny is my grandparents, we are so Irish, I like to tell this, because my grandma and my grandpa both had the same last name. (laughs) And we're not related. (laughs) So uh, that's just about how Irish we are. And so um, I asked my mom, and she was like, yeah, Irish people came over here through Ellis Island, and then they would come up to Chicago because of the meatpacking here and Mm. then also the railroads. And so Chicago has a huge population, just like Boston or New York does. And so we have a huge Irish parade um, on the south side of Chicago where, where there's a high concentration of Irish people. We're also dyeing the Chicago River bright green for St. Patrick's Day. Every year. Every year. So uh, the city goes all out. And so um, in celebration of St. Patrick's Day, this Irish whiskey and cream coffee from a little company called Steepin Brew. Mm. So um, Irish whiskey and cream. They probably could have just called it Irish coffee. I don't know. Look, I don't I don't make the rules. Is it intended to taste like whiskey and coffee or is it intended to taste like Irish cream in coffee? Or are we going to have to drink? <laughs> it says it tastes just like coffee with a shot of spicy Irish whiskey, but none of the alcohol. So, so I all did, of the flavor without the fun. I never considered Irish whiskey to be spicy. It's burning. I don't drink. Yeah. So maybe they should have said a shot of burning <laughs> Irish whiskey, but none of the alcohol. <laughs> it better burn like the real stuff, man. So I thought we would learn a little bit about St. Patrick's Day, why it's a thing in the United States, why we are celebrating why Irish whiskey and cream is a coffee even. St. Patrick's Day is a big holiday in the United States. Um, It's been a little bit bastardized because that's the way Americans do things. They like to take people's cultural celebrations and just stereotype, commercialize, and basically use it as an excuse to get wasted. Yes, it's leprechauns and green beer, right? Is that what we're celebrating? 100%. Excellent. Just like they did back in the mother country. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's exactly how they celebrate in Ireland too. It, is it? No, that's oh. not at all. <laughs> um, so I'll start at the beginning. What I decided to do was call my mom because my mom is the keeper of all Irish lore. So I was descended from Irish Catholics. Irish Catholic is a culture. It is not a religion necessarily. It is a culture. Um, in Ireland, they've got like the Protestants and then they have the Catholics. The Catholics have been historically oppressed for like centuries and generations. And so I called my mom. She said her grandfather's side came over in the late 1800s. I'm assuming it's because of the aftermath of the potato famine. Mm. My mom's grandmother came over because of the Irish War of Independence in the 1920s. So the Irish finally were like, fuck you to the British. Okay. Like, stop fucking putting your your boots on our necks. Was that a quote from your mom? Yeah, exactly. That was a 100% quote from my mom. Get your fucking boot off my neck. (laughs) You know why? Because Irish Catholics are fucking scrappy. (laughs) My mom's grandfather's side, they were sharecroppers in Ireland. It's interesting to me because my family kind of came to America due to these major events in Irish history. Which is interesting, too, because, like, this is all stuff that was new to you, too. So I think there's some, like, family lore here. 
That's kind of cool. Yeah, I had no idea. One last thing from my mom is she, to all of our listeners, recommends a book called Irish America, colon, Coming into Clover. Oh. She said it's a great book, an easy read. If anybody's looking to learn more about Irish history in America, my mom highly recommends it. So anyway, so the Irish have been piecing out from Ireland for centuries because the Irish Catholics have been historically oppressed. Uh, The British, there's some real fuckers. I feel like prior to really this week like jenny's never been like anti-british now she's like fuck those colonial (laughs) imperialist bastards i am a (laughs) hundred fucking horrible yeah i mean fuck the british now i mean i was kind of fascinated by their royalness you know and like like fucking princes and i don't know kate middleton or whatever yeah all of it's kind of interesting because i always had an association with it really for america being like haha fuck you so i didn't really have anything against the british but now you do now i do Totally Team Sussex now. It's a Harry and Meghan reference. (laughs) (laughs) It's sweet that you've connected to your Irish roots through this. Yeah, I mean, feeling really fired up. (laughs) All right, so let's think about history. The very first St. Patrick's Day was actually celebrated in Boston in the 1700s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of been going on for a while. So, you know, they had this little St. Patrick's Day celebration, but there weren't like a ton of Irish immigrants here in the United States yet. Tons and fuck tons of Irish immigrants started leaving Ireland during the potato famine, the Great Famine. When was that? It was um, 1845 to 1852, so seven years. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that long either. Um, in one year, 19 or 1847 was the worst year. They lost like a million people between oh my gosh. them leaving. Yeah, they some places lost like 67% of their population because of the famine and people being like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Over a million people died that Jeez. one in just that one year. Wow. People. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, so the Great Famine was actually the worst famine in European history. I guess they used to have like famines all over the place because, you know, global food sharing wasn't a thing yet. Um, but the reason why the potato famine was like so horrible and devastating was because All of the land in Ireland was owned by these English landowners. And I had known about that, but I didn't quite understand, like, what were all the English getting a bunch of fucking potatoes? And so what they were actually doing was, like, so all the landowners, like, split up all their land between all of these people and allowed the tenement farmers to farm on the lands. But what they did was they cut the plots too small, and then, like, because the landowners didn't want to, like, deal with all these poor people, they had these middlemen. And so the middlemen would tack on, like, extra taxes and extra fees. And so the these tiny-ass plots that the poor Irish were stuck on, like, could hardly produce enough food to pay the rent, for that plot of land. And so they were growing like tons of stuff like wheat and they had animals and they had um, all of these things. And but they had to send it all to the people in Ireland, or in England. And so the only thing that they could grow really was potatoes. And they only were growing a couple of varieties of potatoes. And so when this potato blight came over to Ireland, decimated all of the crops. And then like the fucking English people were still demanding their fucking food. It was total bullshit. So, like, by all accounts, there was way more than enough food to feed all of the Irish people and the British people. 
Oats alone, there were enough oat crops alone to feed all of the Irish people and still give some to the English. But they were like, no, fuck you. Give us our food. So they're growing it and turning it over. Yeah. And starving. Yeah. Jeez. Horrible. And I mean, if they were to not turn it over, they'd end up in prison. And prison was almost worse. And so, um, so the, like, England was like, you know what? We got to kind of do something about this, <laughs> I guess. Or all of our slave farmers will die. Well, they weren't really terribly concerned, but they were, like, pretending that they were concerned. Mm. So they bought some cornmeal from the United States. And they were like, here's some cornmeal. And they were like, you know what? We'll set up some soup kitchens and then people can eat. But what they decided to do was charge the landlords. So the parliament like, was like, we'll do these, like, we'll give these people like a piece of cornbread. But then they decided to charge the landlords for this aid that they were giving to the starving Irish people. So then the landlords went ahead and charged that back to the land people. Mm. So it was this horrible fucking cycle. Well, then, like, the Irish already couldn't fucking pay. So they were now defaulting to these landowners. So then the landowners were like, you know what? Fuck you. You're evicted. Get out. (sighs) So now you have, like, these Irish people who have no land. They're starving. And then, so then, like, the British government at the time, so they had, like, this poor act that they had passed, and uh, it was to kind of just address poor people in general, and I think probably in England, too. And they were like, okay, you can have the soup kitchen, and if you don't have a job, but you're able-bodied, well, you can go to the workhouse. So you would take your family to the workhouse, and you would be like, we are starving, we are homeless, we have fucking nothing. And they would be like, okay, come on in. And But because like you were able-bodied, they were like, we're going to punish you for being homeless and starving. And so they would separate the men, the women, and the children. The parents lost their rights to their children. <gasps> yeah. They would give everybody a, a uniform. And they would set you to work inside the prison. And the kids would go to school for a couple of hours. But then when they got off of school, they would have to go into manual labor. Because they were like, you need to build up your muscles and your work ethic to be able to. (laughs) To survive the rest of your fucking life in this hellhole. Exactly. Oh, my God. And um, It was just like a prison camp. It was a prison camp. Exactly. And then, um, so how... Are you supposed to... How is that solving anything? Yeah, how are yeah. you going to pull yourself out of that? Yeah, how do Never. you get out of that? 10% of the people who go into work camps would die. I mean, they were fed. They did have a bed. But the men were, like, breaking stones all day. That was their quote-unquote job. The women would basically just clean and, like, do laundry and tend to the camp itself. And then the kids were sent out to do, like, farming and gardening and stuff like that to help support the food. production of the work camp and then like if you were like say you were a sex worker if you came in they gave you a different colored outfit than everybody else (laughs) so you stood out (laughs) you're still a whore here oh yeah absolutely and then it's like so if you were a vagrant which i didn't actually know what a vagrant was it's just a homeless person right so vagrants could go there they had like a separate like little section for vagrants and if you were a vagrant you could go there and ask them if you could sleep there and then the person would be like get like the i don't know the main guard or whomever we'd get to decide whether or not you could stay there for the night and if they decided no you could then be arrested for sleeping on the street (sighs) and you could be arrested and sent to two weeks hard labor oh my god there's like no way for these people to get out of this it's really the most depressing awful situation i had no idea about this This yeah me neither career path I think I'm going to be a vagrant. You get a lot more. 
<laughs> you know, flexibility there. Take your chances. I guess. I mean, at yeah. least you get out after two weeks. Right. Well, so the workhouse says you are allowed to leave. You you have to give them notice that you want to leave. Um, <laughs> it's like go in and immediately be like, can I leave? No. <laughs> <laughs> but then what do you do? You go back on the street and you have no opportunity. So you're really like literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. So it was like super fucking shitty. I mean, all around, like the British fucked these people over and did not give a fuck at all. And then blamed them, basically. Did you know that the poor Irish tenement farmers, like 80% of their diet was potatoes. Each person in a family could eat like eight pounds of potatoes a day. Oh my God. Because it was literally the only thing that w- they Jeez. could grow and eat. The whole thing's just really fucked up. So this is why indentured servitude was a thing, was because that was the only way they could leave the country. They didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. To- exactly. And so I'm not really sure how my family managed to to get out of that sharecropping tenement farmer business. I don't know. I don't know how you would save up the money even to like get a ticket on a ship. I'm not really even sure how people got out of that situation. But yeah, the great uh the great famine drove a ton of people, Irish people out of um Ireland. Those who didn't die kind of got up and got out. I mean, the whole thing is just really fucked up. And the fact that like you have these British and they're watching people all these people are dying, though, and they just could not care less. Ugh. So anyways, yeah, so that was, like, the first, uh, the first like, wave of Irish people out of the country. And, like, obviously the Irish were already fucking pissed. I mean, they already, like, their lives already were really shitty and really sucked because they're living in these horrible conditions. And then this huge famine happens, and they were really just fucking kicked while they were already down. And so this kind of started a... a this started kind of the movement of the Irish to be like, really like, fuck you to the British and demand their independence. And yeah. so there is the independence war that happened 1919 to 1921. Obviously, Ire- the, the like violence in Ireland did not end there because we know throughout the 1900s there was a lot of violence and fighting. And is it the NRA? Well, it's the IRA. Or the IRA. Sorry, wrong <laughs> fucking gun organization. <laughs> um, the IRA is Catholic? So, like, when they, when Irish independence war happened, Northern Ireland stayed, wanted to stay with Britain. They're mostly Protestants up there. They had it pretty good, I guess. Most of the famine occurred in the South and in the West, which actually happens to be where all of my family is from. The Northern Irish seemed to be doing just fine. And so, but the IRA was like, no, you guys don't get to still be a part of Britain. You guys need to be a part of Ireland. And so, yeah, I'm I'm assuming it was the Catholics because the Catholics were all South and they were the ones who were like, fuck you to the British. Okay. I can't see the Protestants turning against them, but who knows? Maybe we'll have a clarification next episode. (laughs) 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 Um, If you're, if you're, if you know Irish, if you were in the IRA, give us a call and tell us your stories. (laughs) Send us an email at hello at no bad reviews podcast. Yeah, I mean, actually, I would be interested to know those stories if you have them. Um, I think I'm on the side of the IRA. I mean, after all the reading that I've done, Marcus tells me no. I mean, they were like bombing the British. Yeah. It sounds to me like they kind of deserved it. Bombing like Irish citizens to kind of. I but think that Northern there's a lot Northern Ireland yeah, that but I think stuck th- with the British, the fucking traitors. Yeah, but they were they were <laughs> oh. <laughs> they were bombing non-military. Like a lot of like citizens got it was not it was not um, it was okay. not, it was messy. Look, I it wasn't like they were they were fighting combatants. They were fighting 
citizens. Okay, well, unarmed citizens. Look, and this is bombing kind of indiscriminately. So I mean, I think that that's kind of you may not want to pick a side. Just, just you know saying. what? I'm going to pick an ideological side. I'm going to say I don't agree with the way it was executed or carried out. Thank you. But I agree with the sentiment. Okay. Fuck the British. Right. Fuck the British. That's fuck fine. The British. We can all agree that. Fuck the British. Fuck the, the British. British. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that, that Irish nationalism led to the Independence War, and they managed to get out of under the, the boot of the uh, British. So they freed their necks. Freed their necks. And I mean, I guess things are fine now. I just found out it recently like that, fine now. that Ireland is one of the most developed countries in the world as far as like GDP, like per capita. Yeah. Production is is like Ireland's like at the top of the charts. Good, killing it. Let's go. Yeah, I see little Irish castles and islands and Aww. shit for sale all the time online. We should move modest coffee production to a tiny island <sighs> off the coast of Ireland. Wouldn't that be so amazing? So, anyways, that's the that's the shitty history of the Irish. Mm. Um, I can say that all the Irish people I know are scrappy as fuck. They are fun. They like to laugh. They like to joke around. And I think it's because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And mm. I think that is like deeply embedded in the DNA. Um, oh, we've got a we've got a we've got a feline visitor here. Hey Hunter. It's true that Irish people are all funny. Yeah. I have found that in my life that mm-hmm. all of my Irish friends are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the DNA. Years of oppression. Um, and I wonder if, like, not to make the stereotype, but, like, if, if alcoholism also follows that because of the trauma, like, the generational trauma mm-hmm. where, where people are, like, you know, have... So did you do any research into, like, that stereotype? I think that there is a stereotype that Irish are alcoholics and they're big drinkers. I, I think you see that with, a, with most communities that are really oppressed and denied opportunities, that there happens to be a lot of alcoholism, there's a lot of abuse, there's, you know, a lot of crime, because I think, like, you need to, it, it's like an escape almost, mm-hmm. and then, right. you know, you have a parent who's an alcoholic or something, and then that person maybe is abusive to the family, and then that creates a, an environment that children are growing up you know, in a unsupportive household, and then they don't necessarily know how to interact in a healthy way. So it just creates it's this snowball, this cycle. Um, Which I know we can blame the British for. That yeah, cycle. absolutely. Fuck, them. Mm. fuck the British. Well, the British have been fucking things up for people all over the place. I mean, look at like the Native American populations in the United States, and look at you know the the. Remember they wouldn't let Indians fucking have salt. <laughs> I mean, there's like some fucked up shit. They all, all you know? I mean, look at the transatlantic slave shit. I mean, so much has been, so many people have been really horribly affected thanks to the British. So thanks, yeah. fucking England. It, but yeah, so you know, you do have um, like the these families and have to grapple with their past and grapple with their histories. I know, like, throughout my family, um, and other people I know, other Irish Catholics I know, everybody has an alcoholic in their family, at least one. And so um, I think that there's been a lot of work done, though, by these families who to try to break the cycle. Um, and I think about it, if I think about my ancestors who came over here to America to, you know, make a better life, I think that they would look at, like, me and my cousins and my mom and my aunt and... Um, all of us, they'd probably be really proud of like where we've come from where they were just a couple of generations ago. And I mean, the American dream, I mean, America's fucked up 
in so many ways. But I mean, I do think that that there is a lot of opportunity here. You know, in this country, we do have some social services that will you know, feed people if you fall on hard times. You're not being sent to the workhouse if you're able-bodied. Right, right. Um, And there may be people in this country who grumble about it or whatever, but I can, I have to, I have to believe that the in the United States, despite all the people who grumble about food stamps or whatever, would hopefully not think that a workhouse right. is an appropriate <laughs> alternative. I mean, God. I mean, I know that, I mean, I just can't see... People being like, yeah, separate the moms and the kids and make the parents lose their rights because, you know, they fell on hard times. I think most people are understanding. I'm pretty sure that happened at the border, like, not too long ago. Like, like currently. Like, currently. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, hey, like, let's separate children from their families. And this just happened, like, a year and a half ago. I mean. So, I think that But there was a lot of outrage, I think, too. The more things change, the more things stay the same. And so all we can do is hope that it gets better and continues to get better for people struggling out there. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, anyways, we don't need to go down that path any longer. Crossing path at St. Patrick's Day. We're I know. To be- yeah. Okay, so we got the bummer stuff out of the way. Great. Yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> right. focus on the fun stuff. Leprechauns. Now. Yay. Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Let's actually. So that maybe that is like the cycle will repeat in my. Stomach. I feel traumatized. I need a drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ready too. Well, you guys are just going to have to hold off a little bit longer. I'm thirsty. Okay. Well, so St. Patrick's Day. I want to hear about St. Patrick. What is it, like? What was he really chasing out of Ireland? What's the story? Okay. So St. Patrick, he was fifth century England. Oh, okay. Back when it was under Roman rule, so he was technically Roman, a Roman British dude uh, of a wealthy family. His dad was a deacon. His grandpa was a priest. So he was in like a really religious That was a hot career path back in the day. So uh, St. Patrick, he was a dude, 5th century, Roman, England, whatever. And he actually got kidnapped. Oh. He was kidnapped by some like Irish guys. And they took him back to Ireland and they forced him to work as a slave. And while he was there, like so many in captivity, he found God. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, God came to him in a vision Oh, and was like, hey, there's going to be a ship that's going to take you the fuck out of here. You just got to bail, man. And he was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So he went to the sea. And what do you know? There was a ship. (laughs) (laughs) And it took him back home. And so he got home and he was like, you know what? God spoke to me. I'm going to be a priest. So he decided to be a priest. Then he went back to Ireland. He was like, well, I'm going to convert these motherfuckers. Mm. That's how I'm going to get back at them. So wait, now I'm confused. He was just a kid. He was a teenager when he got kidnapped. So he wasn't quite a priest yet. He was probably like all teenagers, like not really thinking about God, thinking that that shit's kind of, I don't know, my parents believe it, but you know, I don't need that kind of pressure in my life. Smoking weed, listening (laughs) to heavy metal. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Heavy metal on like a liar. (laughs) (laughs) um so he goes back to ireland he's like listen up motherfuckers you need god y'all motherfuckers need jesus yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so that's like the whole snake thing Mm -hmm. somehow it's like an allegory for him coming back maybe like the snakes were pagan Mm. he like drove the pagan snakes out of ireland Hmm. Anyway, so it sounds like the Irish were really receptive to this. And they were like, let's make you a saint. And you're now our saint because you brought us Jesus. 
Oh, so he brought Jesus to Ireland. Yes. And just so was he English? It sounds like he kind of fucked uh-huh. everything up too. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering how the history was written. You know. Mm-hmm. So he's credited for bringing Christianity to Ireland, and now they celebrate oh. him. You know, that's so annoying because I feel like Gaelic and Irish culture and all that paganism was fucking dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, let's worship the sun and Stonehenge and all that yeah. cool, like, magical shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the English, you know, St. Patrick fucking came. destroyed it. Fucking destroyed killed it all. It all. I mean, mm-hmm. they still got a bunch of, like, they still have their, like, magical fairy stuff in Ireland. So they've got, like, this weird dual thing going on where they still believe in fairies and they still believe in magic and it's everything's still very whimsical. But then you they can got... get away with that shit if you're Catholic. You cannot do that in Protestant. <laughs> it's like, they draw the line. Yeah. Protestant so that's why Irish Catholics are so much more fun. Yeah. Because they still believe in magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he took on the name Patricius. It wasn't even Patrick. So that's like some Americanism right there where they're like, uh, Patrick. Yeah, actually, because in Ireland, it would be Padraig. Padraig. Yeah, and actually, if you call it St. Paddy's Day with a T, wrong. Mm. Completely wrong. Because Patrick is the Americanized version or Anglicized version of Padrick. And it's actually Paddy with a D because Padrick. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it, yeah, that's how Paddy Wagon is spelled, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if oh, they've got that's Pad- so fucking racist. It is. Is it? Is racist? I didn't ever put that together. That yeah, it was because a paddy wagon because it was for Irish people. No, no, uh, no I think it's because the Irish, the Irish were all were cops. cops. Oh, okay. It's still that's racist. <laughs> it's also racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But they were the ones in power, actually. Yeah. The Irish oh, cops. Okay. I wonder if they have paddy but, wagons, if they call them paddy wagons in like Boston and New York, if, or if it's just probably. a Chicago thing. It's probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. Right. Well, if you're from Boston or New York and you're a cop, let us know. You think we got many cops listening? You have to tell us if we ask you. <laughs> um, so anyway, St. Pedrick, St. Patricius, whatever you want to call him, he died on March 17th. Oh. But like he was all the way back in like the 5th century. St. Patrick's Day, they started in Ireland. The Feast of St. Patrick wasn't until the 1600s. So I don't know why it took 1,200 years for them to start celebrating it. And celebrating his death, not and his And celebrating birth. his death, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If I know anything, it's because there was probably some other spring, like, pagan festival mm. that the Catholics were like, oh, we're going to make this St. Patrick's Day. Oh, you're probably right, because <laughs> yeah. it does actually fall right around the spring equinox. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably exactly what it was, spring no more, equinox. No more fairy fest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well... It wasn't a very fun holiday back in the 1600s. <laughs> it was no. like a go to church, mm. an extra day to go to church in the 1600s. Um, American Irish were a lot more fun. So in Boston, they were like, you know what? Let's fucking celebrate our, our, you know, our Irish heritage. So they threw a big old party with a parade and it kind of caught on and it just spread through other Irish communities in the United States. And then it spread back to Ireland itself. Um, so now they have parades in Ireland, but they didn't start there. Right. Parades did not start there. The parade started in Boston. American export. Uh-huh. Oh. It sure was. Um, so in Ireland, they it's a much more modest celebration. It's not about getting wasted. Fun fact, though, St. Patrick's Day falls in the middle of Lent. 
everybody gets a day off on Lent. Oh. For St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I didn't oh. realize that. Uh-huh. That's funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're allowed to drink. You're allowed to eat. You're allowed to have a grand old time. Day off of Lent. I love the exceptions to the rules. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Irish hmm. will make an exception for you. Um, and in the United States, it's like the shit bro fest that it's yeah. become. Oh, right. Um, It's just for college boys. It's just for college boys. We can thank Budweiser for that, actually. They had a huge beer marketing campaign in the 1980s that turned it into, you know, the drinking fest that it is. I mean, Mm. I think there's always alcohol and food and fun and parades and all that, but Budweiser made it into like a let's get shit-faced green beer sort of party thing. Mm. Leprechauns, so leprechauns, I guess, were like used in a derogatory way in like the 1800s, like a derogatory stereotype because everybody hated the Irish for so long. Mm. And so even though the the British hated the Irish, the Irish are coming to the United States, but people are like, we still fucking hate you. And so people would make caricatures of the Irish um, using leprechauns. Oh, were Irish men smaller in stature, perhaps? I I mean... After the famine. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, I do, well... Brutal. it's true. I mean, most of the Irish people I knew were on the shorter side. I mean, my mom's like five foot two. She's kind of a shorty. Oh, so that could be. Yeah. I mean, Irish people are of shorter stature, but leprechauns are still like a mystical fairy thing in Ireland too, though. So there is some basis in cultural history, but the way it's been caricaturized uh-huh. is oh, okay. kind of insulting as an insult to Irish. It's meant to be an insult. Yeah. Want to hear about Irish cream coffee? Yeah. It's like kind of just like a fun little story of what Irish co- how Irish coffee got invented. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Irish coffee is a drink. It is um, hot coffee, sugar, whiskey, Irish whiskey topped with heavy whipping cream that's been whipped up. And so it's meant to look like a Guinness when it's in the glass. Mm. Oh. So mm. that's fun. Um, in the 1940s, now I found this to be kind of a fun description of it, what I'm assuming is an airplane a flying boat. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of an airplane called a flying boat? No. No. You're talking about something that existed, not this something is existed. that was like mythical. No, this so, is not mythical. This was is... that like a flying boat, like a something that took off and landed in the water? <laughs> I have no Must fucking clue. <laughs> they just called it a flying boat, and I did not look it up on the map, but like I should have. seaplane. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Had to have been. I don't know, because it was driving all going all the way from Ireland to New York City. That's awesome. And it didn't But count... there's a river, you know. A river across the Atlantic Ocean? I mean, you could land it anywhere then. I mean, I guess you make a good point. Yeah. I thought those were pretty small planes, though. The um, the little water jumpers. Yeah. I yeah. mean, can they really make it all the way across the Atlantic? Can they hold that much fuel? I Fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into this more. May- next episode, time for the clarification. Yeah. I'm look up. I was hoping <laughs> that maybe one of you guys knew what a flying boat was. But <laughs> That's my guess. My guess is that is that runways were probably really hard to do. So here's my here's my, like... My 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 prediction. Okay, Marcus. Runways were hard, and taking off and landing from the water was much easier. So and somehow they had boats. they had Boeing seven forty sevens with boat feet like on the propeller. bottom. Yeah, they had propellers. You know, like yes. little boat feet a instead boat of wheels. Wings. That's it. And they just landed in the Hudson River when they got to New York. Yeah, I think I so. Hope or this a is lake. True. Yeah, All right. that'd be or my a guess. lake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they have an ocean in New York. No lakes. Yeah, you just pull right. Do they up. have a lake in New York? New York, tell us. Do yeah. you have a great lake They've like the our lake Michigan, <laughs> Long Island Sound? Just like yeah. right <laughs> in there. There's plenty of water in New York. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you might be right, Marcus. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. 
Miracle uh, on the Hudson. Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So in Ireland, there's a place, it's, I guess, an airport, a flying boat port called Foyne's Flying Boat Terminal, and they have a little cafe in there in the 1940s. So anyways, this boat started taking off <laughs> for the air, <laughs> and it was bad weather. And so they were like, you know what? Let's turn back. And so he sent a telegram from the flying boat okay. back to the shore and was like, we're turning around. It's cold as fuck up here. Can you have something warm and ready for us when we get oh, back? Oh, I because we were talking about how Irish coffee got started, right? <laughs> yeah, this is okay. how it got started. Bring it back. So like, beep, 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 beep. When he got back, they had the chef had created the Irish coffee, like piping hot coffee mixed with sugar and Irish whiskey. He topped it off for all the passengers with this whipped cream, and everybody loved it. It was a huge hit. And then the Irish coffee was born. This is a wonderful story. I know. It's and so fun, isn't it? Ah. Mm, I feel like what a wonderful way to like reassure anxious people. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine flying from Ireland all the way to fucking New York, however high up you got to go, and being cold oh, the whole God. time? Yeah, Ugh. that would suck. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Steep and Brew decided to make their own version. Irish whiskey and cream. No coffee. It's just Irish, it's just Irish whiskey, no whiskey and cream in there. Yeah. No coffee. No coffee. I don't know. It doesn't say coffee on there. It just says Irish whiskey and cream, which leads me to believe that that bag is just filled with powdered cream and powdered whiskey without the alcohol. But it says it is tastes that a thing? just like coffee. Oh, it does taste just like coffee. I don't know what's going on in that bag. Uh, Steep and Brew that was founded. So Steep and Brew, I'm just going to preface, not very much drama here. Mm. Like everything is just... Seems pretty straightforward. Good. Kind of wholesome. As far as I can tell, there's no evil corporations, just some family-owned businesses. Great. Yeah, it's awesome, which is very refreshing. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. to say it's very refreshing, especially if, like, we came across some drama after dealing with, like, the British essentially murdering, like, millions of Irish through their... Negligence. Yeah, like a genocide by negligence Mm. and just not caring. Anyway, so it was refreshing to not come across any company drama. Right. I was feeling good about that. <laughs> so Stephen Brew was founded in 1979 by a guy named Mark Ballering. He was a baller, apparently. <laughs> yeah? No? Okay. <laughs> I think it's a verb. He was ballering. He's ballering. <laughs> um, in a 144-square-foot space. That's where he started, just selling bags of ground coffee. Um, that is a tiny space, though. Teeny tiny. Just a little tiny bedroom, basically. Think he was just everything he was inhaling. Was he roasting it there? Okay. Not yet. He okay. was just. I don't know where he was getting it. That part was unclear. But 1982, he expanded to a 250-square-foot space. Oh, my space. gosh. Um, this, I think, is crazy, and I'm hoping you might know, Marcus. He bought an 1890s-era coffee roaster. Ooh. What could that have been? Like Jabez Burns coffee roaster. You think roaster. that's what it was? Yeah. A burn. What was it? A Burns coffee roaster? Wow. Probably. So what does that look like? What does an 1890 coffee roaster look like? The modern, like the equivalent that we have right now is really? pretty much the same one. Yeah, wow. It was, it was patented in the late 1800s. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's like our modern design was okay. patented by Jabez Burns. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also in Madison, Wisconsin, too. Another Madison. Wisconsin was like the heart of specialty coffee in the late 70s and early 80s, I think, mm. because there are a lot of companies that came out of Wisconsin, especially the Madison area. Um, so, yeah, he had this cool ass old coffee roaster. I'm going to see if I can find a photo of it for the Instagrams. Um 
And, you know, he just kind of, like, took off from there. By the 1990s, he was opening up coffee shops. Um, 1992, he started selling to grocery stores. Uh, 1997, he started selling to convenience stores. If you're in Wisconsin, there's a convenience store that existed called PDQ. I don't know. He was in mm. a bunch of those. Oh, yeah. Pretty darn quick. Is that what it stands for? <laughs> yeah. Ah, look at you, Marcus. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was his, like, deal. He had fun doing it. And then um, eventually he was like, you know what? It's been, like, 30 years. I'm ready to retire. So 2018, he sold Steep and Brew um, for only, like, $2.5 million when his revenues the previous year were, like, $7 million. Oh. I'm like, that. I don't know. that. I don't know. Maybe he was just like, get me. I just want to get the fuck out. Jeez. Yeah. So I don't know why he sold it for so little. But have you heard of the coffee holding company, Marcus, out of Staten Island? Mm-mm. No. So I was really hoping you had heard of them. So the coffee holding company, it started same thing way back in like the in the nineteen seventies as just like a it's like a private label roasting company, and they were selling it seemed like kind of like lower end coffees. It's called S and W Coffee. It's like a partnership with Del Monte, Cafe Supremo. I don't know if you've heard of Cafe Caribe. This one is actually the number two coffee in the Hispanic community. Hmm. And it has a really fun label. Um, <laughs> it's like really brightly colored with fun font. Um, so it's just it just seems like some like lower end coffees is where they had their footing. Coffee Holding Company is a multi-generational company. And so this third generation uh, son is now the CEO. And he was like, we're going to diversify this shit. And we're not just selling these like lower end private labels. So he wanted to get more into some specialty coffee. He also got into the green coffee buying. So the green coffee is like a huge part of their business. And in fact, they, now this was a really lucky account, Coffee Holding Company... Yeah, I think they're publicly traded. They are. No, they're on the NASDAQ. It. And I was like, they're probably evil, but I couldn't find out how. I mean, if you're on the NASDAQ, you have to be evil, right? Is that like a no. Is that like a, a requirement for no. membership? I mean, it's Facebook's on there. You know? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> they're yeah. not evil. Not right. evil at all. Not oh. evil at all. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I stand corrected. Yeah. NASDAQ, only for the good guys. So they're... Um... Funny story. Sorry on this tangent, but when we first started and I was looking for green coffee suppliers, mm-hmm. they were like, they came up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I looked into them and I was like, ooh. Like, I remember getting a sheet from them of like the coffees that they offer. And they were like, Brazil. And I'm like, can I get a little more? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like what part of them? They're like, nah, we don't really do that. Well, that's kind of my impression of the company in general is that they like want to be specialty, but they, they kind of like, nah. it's like they're trying to jump and hit the specialty mark, but they're just kind of falling just a little below. Yeah. Uh, they did buy like an organic green thing in on the West Coast. So they've got like this little organic coffee arm, um, but I don't think it's very big. Uh, they acquired Steep and Brew because they wanted to up their specialty game. So... Huh. Uh, That's interesting. So specialty meaning specially flavored. Yeah, maybe. Not specially sourced. (laughs) Right. Not. I think that they want to be, but, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes, you know, you try. Look, it's it's a moving target. It's a moving target. Yeah. And so specialty means a lot of different things to different people. Gourmet. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. I would probably classify, they're using the word specialty in the way I would use the word gourmet. Okay. Let's go ahead and put it that way. Um, so this is how I think Coffee Holding Company got their big break. One of their first green customers 
was a little company called Green Mountain Coffee. Oh. And they, wow. when they first got it, they were just buying a couple of bags of green from them. And then it fucking blew Holy the fuck shit. up and became a $50 million account <laughs> for the coffee holding company. Wow. Yeah. And so that, I think, is what actually kicked off the coffee holding company's green coffee okay. business. Wow. Got I think it. they were just dabbling and then Green Mountain blew the fuck up. I mean, and when you're when yeah. you're buying wow. that much coffee, it's like, do you care about you know, like little me that's like, yeah, I need I need more traceability with my coffee, and they're like, yeah, yeah I've got to worry about getting fifty million dollars worth of coffee here next week. Yeah, exactly. Renown. Yeah, you get what you get, buddy. Isn't that insane? Wow. Yeah. 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 Fucking nutso. So I mean, like, what a lucky break, especially because. Yeah. They didn't like just start selling to them. Like Green Mountain grew. So like they just had this little partnership. And I think Coffee Trading Company or Coffee Holding Company was like a smaller business. I don't know. The whole thing, what a great lucky break for them. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. They Coffee Holding Company had like this weird little partnership with this company called Caruso's Coffee. And they formed this thing called Generations Coffee Company. And that is what actually bought Steep and Brew. Of that partnership, Coffee Holding Company owns like 60%, and Caruso's owns 40%. And Caruso's is doing the roasting and the packaging for the Coffee Holding Company. The other brands that they sell I've never heard of, Erie Island Coffee, North Coast, Zach's Brews. But whatever. This is what a, this is a cute little way this story ends. So Matt Ballering, after he sold out, he retired, and he bought 270 acres of woodland and crop land up in Wisconsin. Um, it's now a family nature preserve for him and his Aww. family. And he sells blackcurrant jelly. Oh, that's cute. That's like his new gig. <laughs> he just sells blackcurrant jelly. So he grew this huge company selling, I don't know, Irish whiskey and cream coffee. Sold it, cashed out, retired Aww. from the business. and yeah. Let's see. Steep and brew. Tea and coffee. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. There it is. Tea. Steeping tea, brewing coffee. I want oh. some of that black currant jelly for my Irish soda bread. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to post a link. I'm going to post a. I don't have it for your Irish soda bread, but if you ever have a, an opportunity for Irish soda bread again and this black currant jelly, I'm going to post a mm. link to the. Did to you his. get some of his black currant jelly? No, oh. I wish, but um, I mean, he's not far in Wisconsin. We could road just trip. drive right up there. Hell yeah. hours away. Add it to the uh, add it to, <laughs> to the road trip itineraries. <laughs> yeah. When we hit the road and we take our our, our live show, that's right. Yeah. We're gonna travel around the U.S. in our RV and then this would be awesome. Put on a ferry, go to Brussels. <laughs> right. Got to make it Brussels. to Brussels. Yeah. Very Brussels. important. You know, yeah. we're also getting big in Finland. Mm. Mm. We do have a listener in Moscow. I hope it's a uh, anti. Putin. I'm sure. It I'm has sure to be if they've been listening to this yes. podcast. I'm sure. Yeah, we were censored in. Russia. We are censored in Russia, probably. Yeah. That's why the dot hasn't gotten more red. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, Putin somebody heard in Russia our last heard episode it, and he was like, like fuck shut you guys. That fucking thing down. <laughs> yep. Short in. Shut it down. Short in. That Western propaganda. Yeah. No, no, we're talking about the RAF here. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girl Scouts. Come on, Girl comrade. Scouts and RAF. It's all good. <laughs> um, anyways. Well, shall we drink some coffee, comrades? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Modest Coffee roasts the highest quality single-origin coffees without the snobbery. 
They take the guesswork out of buying specialty coffee by carefully curating green coffees and sorting them to one of their tiers, based on cupping score, price, flavor notes, and roast level. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Pip pip cheerio! You guys ready for the olfactory reveal? Um, this nice shiny. Let's just look at this really quickly. Oh, hey, look. Characters. This is how they want you to um, enjoy this. Treat yourself <laughs> to a truly great coffee. Savor the aroma and nibble the wonderful flavor. Nibble? <laughs> <laughs> For just a few cents per cup and less than two calories per serving, the only way you'll feel guilty is from the taste of decadence. Ooh. <laughs> They're going oh, this right is so after exciting. the Lent crowd, for sure. So exciting. <laughs> the old lady Lent crowd. So sit back, sip slowly, and make this your steep and brew moment. Can you say that a little sexier? <laughs> so, whether enjoying your cup all cozy and warm, or sharing with someone special. <laughs> there you go. That's better. You know, it's like you're telling a secret. You're not being sexy. <laughs> <laughs> steep and brew coffee is always... Coffee worth sipping. <laughs> <laughs> Give your coffee a nibble. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's kosher certified, guys. Just in time for lit. Just in time for lit. All right. Don't be careful opening that. If any spills, we will not have enough coffee. It is such a tiny little packet. Brewing guidelines, it says, for richest taste. Use one packet for four to six cups. And then adjust your preference. To enjoy this coffee most, adjust your preference. (laughs) Do you prefer good coffee normally? (laughs) You're going to need to adjust that. Wait, don't we have it? Now that Wait, you've but set this the bar is an Irish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it I mean it smells like Irish cream to me, which I, is encouraging. This to be clear, this is not Irish cream. This is Irish whiskey and cream. Right. So it should really smell more like Irish whiskey and like whipped cream. Mm. Yeah, but does it, smell d- like it that? does have a little bit of that Bailey's smell to it though. I really like the way this smells. Do you? Yeah, hmm. I well, do. We'll see if I you... just like the aromat, like the fake. It's it smells like um <laughs> like uh like something I'd like to burn as incense. It oh. smells really good. Okay, I mean you could probably burn those coffee grounds. It smells good. We're not going to tell you not to. I, gonna, I do kind of want to nibble this coffee. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> uh. And it smells a little chocolatey too. That's probably from the roast. So I'm looking so at I... the roast. It's actually a really light colored roast. Hmm. Look, I I kind of looked into the package and thought it looked a little light. Yeah, yeah, it's not crazy dark. The skin. Yeah, I'm that's excited. really interesting. You know what? I'm really I... excited to be brewing coffee this week, and not have it be done in a K cup. I thought. I mean, does oh, that machine that's... still exist, or did you destroy it in a fit of rage after we recorded the last episode? Oh, I know. good. Would you guys like some Irish soda bread while we're waiting for this to brew? I would love some homemade okay. Irish soda bread. I'll go get it, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the Irish soda bread. Yay! All right, oh, I'll be right back. That's not a love it or leave it. No, we I'll have. I'll tell you right now, I love it. We have Jameson <laughs> cold brew for love it or leave it. 
So we have Irish soda bread. This is an ancient family recipe, but I just changed, I'd made a couple of tweaks based on another recipe. Um, Irish soda bread traditionally is only made of a few ingredients. <clears throat> made of flour, salt, baking soda, and buttermilk. That is a traditional Irish soda bread. You may also see Irish soda bread recipes with caraway seed. This one is made with raisins. That's how my family does it. Interestingly, was not a bread until the 1800s in Ireland. Kind of going back to the Irish being fucked over and not really having access to yeast. Also, the flour, soft wheat flour, is what is better for Irish soda bread. And with the bicarbonate, the baking soda. Mm -hmm. um, hard wheat is better for yeasted breads. Well, hard wheat doesn't really grow in Ireland very well. The soft wheat bread grows much better. So this is kind of a bread that is out of necessity. And um, yeah, that was kind of a staple. And it's still a huge staple in Ireland right now. I mean, I guess the Irish will make soda breads all week long. Eat it with every meal. Use it like the less sweet breads. Like this one has some sugar in it. It's more of a sweeter. Um, but yeah, they'll make more savory breads. They'll put in all sorts of different ingredients. Is it hard to make? Super easy. So you could make this every day. <laughs> yeah, you could. It is really good. Why? We just making it once a year. Why aren't you making it to every make, day? To keep it special. Oh. <laughs> to keep it special. It's special. It would be special every day. Mm. Well, let me read you this quote. This is what I thought was really fun. Um, from Trafalgar.com. Um, this is so true. And this is how my Irish soda bread recipe came to me from my mom. Almost every family in Ireland has its own recipe for this delicious bread, handwritten on a slip of floury paper or tucked away in an old cookbook. Hmm. And so I asked my mom, I'm like, can you send me that recipe? Because I had thrown it away by accident. Marcus and I went through like a Marie Kondo style <laughs> clean out of all of our cookbooks. And here is my mom's recipe. This is what she sent me. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's just so stained. Yeah. This, like handwritten and covered in what? Oil stains, coffee stains. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's and beautiful. it's like so old, like written on like an ancient piece of notebook paper. <laughs> Uh, in my mom's handwriting, she probably copied it down from my grandma's cookbook. My mom told me, though, I was like, tell me about our family's Irish soda bread recipe. She's like, your grandma just got it from the back of a flower box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the secret. Oh, man. <laughs> it is really delicious. It's light. It's not one of those hammer and nail in with the soda bread kind of loaves because those exist out there in the world. Give this mm -hmm. two days. <laughs> By the oh, second right. it was day, baked it's like morning. hard. It was baked yeah. this morning. That's why right. you have to bake it every day. Right. Exactly. Mm. Oh, well, it's so good. It won't last two days, that's for sure. That's true, yeah. If for some reason somebody gets sick, like, shortly after it's made, and it doesn't get consumed in the first two days, it's like a brick. But even then, it's still tasty. You just got to toast it. It's yeah. fine. Oh. <laughs> mm. oh, this is great. Well, maybe I'll bake some this year instead of spending a fortune. Jason and I buy a loaf of soda bread every other day during what? this season because we just love it mm. so what? much. You yes. buy it? That is, like, unheard of mm. in my... I cannot... 
imagine somebody buying a soda bread. I'm not really I a cannot. baker, but I will attempt your recipe if you if it's as easy as you say. I'll attempt your recipe. Yeah, the only I mean the hardest part is just mixing in cold butter with the flour. But I like that part. It's kind of meditative because you're just kind of like going in and like smushing the butter between the flour. Mm. I'm ready for some hot coffee. Mm. Are you ready to nibble? Can't wait to, can't wait to take a bite out of this coffee. Um, I think this cat is about to nibble what's left of my buttery soda bread. So it turns out it made about three cups of coffee. They're just perfect. Yeah. Which is not as much as the the bag said it would. It said four to six. So how do we how do we do our, our grading scale again, Steph? Would you mind uh, walking us through that? Of course. Uh, first, we're going to try the coffee black. Um, and then if we need to, we're going to add some cream and sugar. seems like usually with the yeah. flavored coffees, that sugar really helps. Are you okay? You right. your soda I just bread. like dropped a bunch of soda bread and got butter all over myself. <laughs> and I feel like this coffee is going to lend itself to our final. Oh, and then, well. yes. Um, it's funny. It's, it's as though we invented Irish coffee here ourselves all over again, because <laughs> if we don't have a no bad review after adding cream and sugar, we add whiskey and whipped cream, which is, there it is. There's your Irish coffee right there. We're going to have to Irish it up, obviously. It's like the journey was so rocky, we had to come back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> from the flavor journey with whiskey and whipped cream. So are you guys going to try the Jameson today instead of the Suntory? I had to bring Jameson today because I felt like we had to do Irish whiskey with this coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair. I, I think that that's a good call. I suspect, I, I really like that Suntory whiskey, and mm-hmm. I really think it's just maybe the smoothest whiskey I've ever had. So we'll see how the Jameson stands up, but... I'm a big fan of Jameson. I like it okay, a lot. Good. Yeah, I think it's good. really tasty. And tune in to our Patreon bonus episode to hear the disturbing story behind, or a disturbing story about Jameson. Oh, mm. man. Can't wait. Mm. So the right. aromatics and the hot coffee kind of smells a little funky. It does smell a little weird. Mm, yeah, it smelled better in the bag. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? It smells so good in the bag. Does this smell anything like Irish whiskey mixed with sugar and cream? No. Smells um, smells a little bit like foot. Oh, no. You know, I smell something a little buttery in there, which is maybe the cream fla- artificial cream flavor, I presume. I can't. I smell like locker room. I don't mean that in a bad way, though. <laughs> it do, you know, it's like a um, a hot, steamy locker room. <laughs> That's not going to work on me, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, black, not a t- not a ton of flavor. I feel like the. I'm trying to see what it smells like. It's it kinda... a little underwhelming. I feel like it is. It's not an unpleasant flavor and i do get like a little hint of um irish cream more than whiskey for sure but i'm I'm definitely feeling like i might be drinking something that has alcohol in it almost Mm. a little bit Mm. we're more sensitive to it than i would think than mean stuff i think it might just be the aroma Hmm. the aromatics on it we talked before about the like the chemical flavorings Mm -hmm. having a little bit of an alcohol smell yeah it could just definitely be that too it's smooth. It's not like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's not overly bitter. Like no, some other it's not bitter at all. It's probably that lighter roast, which is yeah. nice. Right. 
I assumed that they would just take it dark as shit. Me too. But it's not. It's nice. I mean, it's it's kind of refreshing that compared to the the other coffees that we've had. Now this is like <laughs> this is like last week where where it was like light and too watery. This mm-hmm. is just like mild and not like over and like I'm not disappointed. I should say. Okay. With this cup of coffee, I'm not overjoyed. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad as it is. Do we like the other alcohol coffee that we had? Does it have any almond flavor? Yeah, it's like something desserty, cherry, almondy. I don't know if it's cherry and almond. It's like I'm trying to identify it. I feel like it would be good with cream, maybe cream and sugar. Oh, I want to put whipped cream on this so badly. After talking all yeah. this talk about whipped cream and sugar, and I think I am planning to just skip the cream and sugar and, and go, go straight to the whiskey and whipped cream. Yeah, on Ooh. account of the holiday. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to sweeten it a bit. I think that that might help. Actually, that's exactly what it is. It's why does it taste that's like pina colada? Weird. With sugar? Mm-hmm. Do you want to try it, Steph? With sugar alone? No, I'm just Tell gonna... me if you can identify the coconut. <laughs> You're Jenny. No, I'm tasting it. And you it's see definitely. It? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When you add the sugar, it turns yep. into. You put the lime in the coconut. <laughs> and you end up with Irish whiskey coffee. <laughs> that's weird. This is but so weird. I think hmm. that you found it. I think that that's probably was the artificial flavor. That was, was like that the coconut. scent that I I kept yeah. saying something like sweet and I couldn't place it. It's like a that's coconut. crazy. I think you're right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, steep and brew Irish whiskey and cream coffee tastes like a pineapple and coconut cream drink. Well, this sucks for me because coconut is one of my least favorite flavors. Oh, I and didn't know that. And coconut and pineapple, weird. I mean, in a coffee. Yeah. It's weird in a coffee. The body on this coffee also is kind of weak. I was hoping I could chew into this, this, you know, as instructed. Look, However, I mean, how are you supposed to you can't nibble? nibble? There's no nibble here. <laughs> this is, this is just a very thin-bodied coffee. Whether enjoying your cup all cozy and warm, or sharing with someone special, I think I'm sharing with someone special. We're doing the that, two right? of you. Mm. Love that. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't nibble, at least we're with someone special. That's really sweet. Are we not cozy enough? What's Listen, the problem? And this is just a few cents per cup, too, guys. Just a few cents. How, uh, how much did you actually... Because it only made three cups, though, and it says I know. four to six. So This how is much definitely you... not a few cents. I want to say it was maybe like two bucks. <sighs> well. That's more than a few cents, though. That's yeah. like 67 cents. Yeah. That's many cents. Hmm. That's two-thirds of a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> For just two-thirds of a dollar per cup. I have added whiskey and whipped cream. I've added Jameson's Irish whiskey and whipped cream. Do you feel like you're like in a confused island? <laughs> like it's sunshiny and warm and you're drinking pineapples mm. and coconuts, but it's also dreary and rainy because you're on an Irish isle? It, What's going on here, um, Steph? It's, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, definitely the Jameson covers up any mm, coconutty pina colada flavor that you're worried about. Mm. And um, good for you guys. Yeah, I think it just like the coffee is so mild. Again, not bad, but just like not much there. It's very mild. And so the whiskey really adds a flavor element that I feel is necessary, and the whipped cream is delightful. Well, I would say like. To get to a no bad review, I would say, like, I was fine. I'm fine stopping at the cream and the sugar or the leading oak beverage. 
the leading oat Russian beverage <laughs> and sugar. <laughs> um, but I'm going to put whipped cream on it because we've talked so much about whipped cream. Yeah. I think that this does not taste like Irish at all, mm. what I would expect from an Irish. I definitely think it tastes like a pina colada, mm. Mm. a virgin pina colada. <laughs> a not fun pina. I agree with you. I think that that for for black it was not bad. It mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. great. Um, and I do think that when you add that Jameson and that the whipped cream, I mean, I am party town. I am ready to nibble on this all night. Yeah, it's real tasty. <laughs> yeah. It's real. It's a very comforting beverage. The whiskey and coffee is just... Like you were just almost died in a flying boat accident, and now you've returned to shore. And I'm alive. That, and you're alive. And you're I'm comforted. alive. Yes. So who is this coffee for? Hmm. Hmm. It is for everyone on March 17th, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's for anyone who doesn't mind their alcohol and caffeine at the same time. You you got to time that right, I guess. <laughs> well, we're all a little Irish. Then. Um, I think that this is for the Irishmen who left, whose family left Ireland at some point and settled in a Caribbean island <laughs> and has returned back to Ireland and really misses his home. Mm. And so, you know, he's just going to make an island version of the Irish whiskey and coffee cream. <laughs> so it's the Irishman who's missing the Caribbean. <laughs> you need a coffee that perfectly em- embodies fuck Britain. It's this. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hell yes. All right. Well, that's today's episode. Thanks for listening along. Um, you can support us on Patreon. Don't pa- forget. Patreon.com slash no bad reviews pod. You can buy our merch and be green, aqua green, head Dripping and drip. Dripping and drip. <laughs> you can listen and tell your friends if you rate review subscribe if you have friends if you have friends which i hope you do if you don't have friends just tell a stranger we're your friends now we are your friends now <laughs> we're your you only don't need friends. any friends you know what that's okay because with friends like us who needs other friends <laughs> thank you yeah exactly so you know you can like and subscribe on apple podcasts itunes spotify google podcasts but most importantly tell your friends thank you so much for listening and for supporting us uh, you listeners are awesome. We love being able to share our stories with you. Happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast, generously sponsored by Modest Coffee, purveyors of single-origin coffee without the snobbery. Visit www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Enjoy.